You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Notice with me, if you would, Nehemiah in chapter 1. We'll pick up where we left off last week in verse number 4. We talked about Nehemiah's comfort. He was in the palace. He was very comfortable. He had it made. We saw his concern. He, he heard there was a need and he got concerned about it. He was asking, hey, how are the brethren doing back in Jerusalem? And then we saw last week Nehemiah's uh, his concern. Then we saw the condition. The condition of Jerusalem was terrible. Uh, the condition was that the walls and the gates had been broken down and burned with fire. And then Number four, we saw last week that Nehemiah got some good old-fashioned compassion in his heart. You know, he cared about the needs of others. And I hope that you today, I hope you've got some compassion. I hope you've got some compassion for your neighbor. You're, some compassion for your city. I hope you got some compassion for a ministry. I hope you got some compassion for some souls that need Christ. But may God burden our hearts and move our hearts with compassion. Verse 4, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days. How do you know Nehemiah was serious? He wept, literally wept for days, not just a few seconds, not just a few minutes. This consumed him. We see that he fasted and he prayed before the God of heaven. Verse 5, he said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts as we look at your word this morning. I pray that our, our eyes would be open. I pray that our ears would be open. I pray that our focus and our attention would be upon the word of God. And Holy Spirit, would you please speak and move in our midst in these moments that we study your word. And I pray that you'd help me to say exactly what needs to be said. And I pray that you would uh, speak directly and very specifically to the heart of every person who's here today, every person that's listening. I pray that they would be challenged and I pray they would be helped from your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We'll pick up today with number five as we're in our uh, sermon about a burden to build. Number five, I want you to notice a call to heaven. Nehemiah hears about a need, okay? But the problem is Nehemiah is not there. He's not in Jerusalem. He is in Shushan. He is in the medial Persian Empire. He is in the palace with the king. And so he hears about a need, but he's not physically present where the need exists. Have you ever heard about a need, maybe a family member or a dear friend, and maybe they were in the hospital, maybe you got a call and you were a hundred miles away or 500 miles away and you couldn't be where they were. You feel helpless, don't you? I, I do. 
There's times where I just think, I wish I could be there. I wish I could do something. I wish I could be present in that situation. Well, when you're not present in a situation where there's a need, there is something you can do. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. He said, I'm not there. I can't start picking up brick. I can't start building. I can't help the condition there. But Nehemiah said, I can pray and I can talk to somebody that can do something about the situation. And friend, I want to tell you, there is a God in heaven that can fix any problem you have. He can fix any problem that your family has. He can fix any problem that your friends have. There is a God who is able to fix problems. And by the way, even if you were present, let's say you were at the hospital. Unless you're a doctor, unless you're a nurse, unless you're medically trained, there's not a whole lot you can do, but you can pray. And I can pray. And Nehemiah said, there's a need. And there's nothing I can do, but I can pray. And I want to say today, that's the greatest thing you can do. That's the best thing you can do about a situation. Sometimes we try to fix things ourselves. Have you ever tried to fix something yourself? And then afterwards you thought, I just made it worse. I didn't even help it. I didn't even leave it the same. I didn't even put it back in the condition it was when I arrived. I actually made this worse. But I want to tell you, there's a God in heaven who hears and answers prayer, and he can fix the problem. And Nehemiah, he calls to heaven. He prayed to God. It says in verse number uh, four that he uh, mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Verse five, and he said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven. You see, I'm glad that God is not just the God of Roanoke Rapids. Although, by the way, he is the God of Roanoke Rapids. But he's not limited to Roanoke Rapids. God's not just the God of North Carolina. He's not just the God of the uh, southeastern United States or the mid-Atlantic. He's not just the God of the United States. He is the God not only of the world. He is the God of the universe and his throne is in heaven. His jurisdiction reaches everywhere. His authority is over all. Past, present, future. He is God and he is the God of heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I know that God. I'm glad I can talk to that God. I'm glad that I have access to speak to the God of heaven about any problem that I have. The songwriter said, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We have the opportunity to pray to the God of heaven. But notice how Nehemiah describes God. He says, I beseech thee, verse 5, O Lord, God of heaven, the great. I'm glad that our God is great. He's a great God. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. You say, how do you describe God? It's hard to describe him. You just have to say he is great. He is incredible. But then Nehemiah describes God by saying he is great and Terrible. You see that in verse 5? You see that in the Bible? I'm not making this up. He says he is a great and terrible God. Now hang on. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Don't, don't tune me out. That word terrible is not the way we use the word terrible today. 
We say terrible and we say, oh, that was a terrible game. Oh, that was a terrible meal. Not one that your wife made, fellas. Maybe something else, but not the one your wife made. That one's always good. Amen. All the men said, amen, amen. That was a great opportunity for you to say amen. And I sure hope you did, because that was your opportunity right there. But this word terrible, it means awesome. When Nehemiah is describing God, he's not saying, oh, he's an awful God. He's saying, oh, no, he is an awesome God. He is a God that is so hard to describe. We just have to say he is awesome. He is great. He is mighty. He is God. Now, this is the definition of the word found in Nehemiah. But don't try to be cute and use that, you know, fellas on your wife, you know, when she asks you, how do I look today, honey? Don't say terrible, you know, like, ah, ha, ha, you know, you look awesome. Don't do that. And as you leave today, please don't tell me how terrible the sermon was either, okay? I'd appreciate that. But God is the God of heaven. He is the great and terrible God. But verse number five says that he keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Now, let me explain this. This verse is not just saying that God keeps his promises to those that love him. Because how many of you know God keeps his promises to everybody? If God makes you a promise, he's going to keep that promise whether you love him or whether you obey him or not. But here's the beauty. If you love him and if you obey him, God has given extra promises. God has promised blessings for those that obey him. God has promised blessings for those that love him. And so God keeps his promises. God keeps his mercy. And I want to tell you, I want to be in the category of people that love him and people that obey him. Jesus said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Don't tell me how much you love God. Just show me how much you love God. And I don't have to tell you how much I love God. If I love God, there's going to be some evidence in my life that what I say is really true, that what I say, I really believe. We see that Nehemiah makes a call to heaven, his prayer to God. He says in verse number six, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. I don't know about you, but I know for my children, when they're talking to me, they appreciate it when I'm looking at them, right? They appreciate it when I'm looking and paying attention and I am attentive and my eyes are open. I've tried it a few times when I've been worn out and I'll sit down with, uh, with Micah and Kylie and I'll try to just close my eyes just for a minute, just to catch a little power nap. That power nap lasts like two seconds because they, they, you're not allowed to close your eyes when you're sitting down with them because they got something they want to tell you. They got something they want you to see. And uh, Micah and Kylie is too, also, but at times they'll grab my face. They're like, Daddy, look, I want to show you this, you know. I want you to see this. Well, here's the problem. Daddy gets tired sometimes, right? Daddy gets distracted sometimes. But I want to tell you this morning, the God that you serve and the God that I serve who is our heavenly father. He never gets tired. 
The Bible says in Psalm 121, I'll put in a little plug here. If you do not listen, you need to listen to 95.9 FM, WVFE Radio. We've been talking about it at noon. Psalm 121, he that keepeth Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God never even gets drowsy. He never gets tired. He never nods off. He is awake. And Nehemiah says, God, I'm praying day and I'm praying night. And it's as if God says, good, because I'm awake at both times. I'm awake during the day and I'm awake at night. You can't pray too late for God. You can't pray too early for God because his eyes are open and he is attentive and he hears the prayers of his children. And Nehemiah prays and he calls out to God, verse number six, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night. But then we see not only the call to heaven, but we see the confession of sin. Nehemiah begins to confess his own sin, but he also begins to confess the sins of his nation. Now, I want to tell you, it's very easy to point out the sins of everybody else, is it not? Boy, we're experts at that. Yeah, Lord, I pray that you'd forgive our nation because we got a bunch of people, they're doing this and they're doing this. And you say, well, what's this? It's everything you're not doing. Because those are the really bad sins, right? The sins that everybody else is doing, but our sin's not so bad or so we think. But I want to tell you, it's time that God's people get back to confessing their sin. It's time for you to confess your sin and for me to confess my sin before God and admit that it's a sin. You say, well, what could that be, pastor? You know, we're here in church and we're trying to do what's right. I know, and I'm glad, but we're all sinners. And we still got a sin nature. Even after you get saved, you got an old flesh that just keeps rearing its ugly head and it keeps fighting and it's working overtime. So what do we do? Well, we confess it. We forsake it. We deal with it. We try to get it right with God so that he will answer our prayers. I'll say this, sometimes the, the, the sins that we deal with are not easily seen or easily identified because they're so deep inside. Sometimes it's sins like pride, where it's so subtle. And, 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 it, and it seems so innocent because it starts out, we just, we see everybody else and we think, well, I'm not doing that. Amen. And we start to think we're not doing that because we're so special. Well, I got news for you. Anything you're not doing, it ain't because of you. It's because of the grace of God working in you. And the fact that you're here today and the fact that I'm here today and we're still alive, and the fact we're not in jail or the fact we're not on the side of the road somewhere is because of the grace of God. It's not because how wonderful you are, how wonderful I am. It's the grace of God. But sometimes that pride begins to creep in. Sometimes it's bitterness. Sometimes somebody will hurt us or somebody will say something to us and that is not right to hurt people. Amen to that. Amen. Say, well, they need to get over their bitterness. Well, you need to get over yourself. But sometimes that bitterness creeps in and we allow that bitterness. Well, somebody said something to me. Somebody did something to me. And so therefore, I'm not going to do this, 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 and this. You can't live that way. It's going to destroy your life. Sometimes it's jealousy. Sometimes it's envy. Sometimes it's, it's, it's pride. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's just so subtle. 
But can I tell you this? We must get back to confessing our sins. Second Chronicles tells us that until we get our sins confessed and forsaken, God's not going to bless our land. God's not going to bless your home. God's not going to bless my family. God's not going to bless my life until I get the sin dealt with, confess it and forsake it and get right with God. But Nehemiah confesses the sin. I like what he says in verse number seven, as if God doesn't know. But Nehemiah says, we have dealt very corruptly against thee. He didn't try to sugarcoat it. He didn't try to say, well, you know, God, we've not been that bad. God, you know, we're, we're, we're okay. He says, oh, no, no, we have been wicked. We have dealt very corruptly against thee. We have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. He confesses sin, number six. But number seven, I want you to see this. I see that Nehemiah references the fact that God had chosen the nation of Israel. Would you notice with me in verse number uh, 10, he says, now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. Notice the end of verse number nine. He says that I will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Nehemiah is talking about Jerusalem. That was the place where God had chosen to set his name. That was the place where the temple was built. That was the place where God had put his mark and God had chosen the nation of Israel to represent him. And Nehemiah says, God, we need to get back to doing what we're supposed to do. You chose us. You had a job for us. And we've not been getting the job done. We have not been fulfilling the purpose that you have called us to do. You see, friend, Nehemiah was in the palace, but God had put Nehemiah in the palace because God had a job for Nehemiah. God blesses you and God blesses me, but it's not so we can get more stuff. God blesses us so that we can help more people. God blesses us so that we can honor and glorify him more. It's not about us. Remember Esther? Esther was made queen because of her beauty and she was in the palace. Guess what? It was the right place at the right time and God put her there for such a time as this. Remember when Daniel was called in to interpret the dream of Nebuchadnezzar? He had the ability to interpret dreams and visions. And Daniel used that gift not to promote himself, but he used that gift to glorify the Lord. Remember Joseph? Joseph was in prison interpreting dreams and he'd been forgotten and forsaken by uh, that uh, butler. And then finally, two years later, the butler says to Pharaoh, oh yeah, by the way, I forgot about that guy. And Joseph comes in and he says, I want you to know, Pharaoh, that I don't have the answers and I don't have the ability to interpret this dream, but God does. And let me tell you how great God is. And he interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh. Can I tell you why? Because it was for God's glory. It was for God's purpose. That's what those people were there in those places to do. Now let's talk about us. The job that you're in. The neighborhood that you're in. The people that you know. 
The places that you go, God has put you in those places for a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify the Lord. Turn with me in closing to 1 Peter chapter 2. You say, well, pastor, this is talking about Israel. And this is talking about, uh, you know, a different nation. And what, how does this apply to us? Well, notice 1 Peter chapter 2. Brother uh, Nathan touched on this last Sunday night. He preached a great message. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, we find that not only did God choose the nation of Israel, but God has chosen us. God wants to use us. You say, why in the world would God want to use us? I'll be honest, I don't know why God would want to use me. But I'm so glad he does. And I'm so glad he will use me if, I'll, if I will allow him and if I'll yield myself to him. He'll use anybody that will say, Lord, here am I. Send me, 1 Peter 2, 9. But ye, this is talking about those who have been saved, those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But ye are a chosen generation. God did not look at you, you and your life and your family and say, oh, great. I'm stuck with them. What a mess. What am I going to do with that person? Oh, no, no. God didn't get stuck with you. God picked you. God wants to use you. We were reminiscing last night, the Kirby's and the Webster's and my wife and I, we were we were all talking about our college days, and I thank the Lord that we got to go to school, college together, prepare to serve the Lord, and we're still serving the Lord, and what a blessing. But you know, after, after that last night, I was just shaking my head thinking, I can't believe that here we are 20 years later, and God would use us. But I'm so thankful that He does. I'm so thankful for the privilege to know that God has chosen to use me. He said, well, that's because you're a pastor. Oh, no, 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 no. God doesn't just use pastors. God uses everybody. God uses every person who's been saved, who's willing to say, Lord, what can I do? Who can I help? Who can I encourage? Who can I serve? And God has picked you. Number one, you've been picked. But number two, I see not only have you been picked, but it says that you are a royal priesthood. You know what that word royal means? It means kingly. Now, don't be goofy. Don't, don't come back to church tonight wearing a Burger King crown, you know, saying, well, pastor said we're kingly, you know. I'm not talking about that. But I am saying this. You're a child of the king. I am a child of the king. And when you are the child of the king, there's some power that goes along with that. Here's some privilege that goes along with that. You and I are children of the King. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The riches of glory belong to you and belong to me. How come? Because God picked us. We've been picked. Number two, I see we have power. We are children of the King. I see number three, that we are a royal priesthood. You know what that means. Being a part of the priesthood means that you have access to God. Can you imagine the fact that we have access to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and sometimes we don't even use that access. Sometimes we take it for granted. Sometimes we go through an entire day and we don't even talk to God who has given us direct access to his throne. 
I see that we are a part of a priesthood. I see number four, we have been chosen to be pure. The Bible says we are to be a holy nation. The Bible says we are to be a peculiar people. You might say, well, pastor, I know some people that fit that bill. I know some strange individuals. I know some oddballs. It's not what that means. That word peculiar, it means special. And in the Bible, I believe it's seven times you'll find the word peculiar. Every time it's talking about God's people being a peculiar people or it's talking about a peculiar treasure. And as God's people, we are God's treasure. You are special to God. You are valuable to God. You say, Pastor, you don't know my background. I don't have to know your background. God knows your background, and he still said you're special. And God knows my background. He still said, Jeremy, you're special to me. You matter to me. You're valuable to me. God cares about you more than you will ever know. You are valuable to God. You are a peculiar, and I am a peculiar people. We're to be different. The Bible says we're called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Then lastly, I see that we are to show forth, 1 Peter 2, 9, show forth the praises of him who hath called us. You know what we've been chosen to do? We've been chosen to serve God, and in serving God, we get to praise him. We get to give him glory. We get to give him honor. We get to give him thanks for all that he has done in our lives. I want to fulfill my purpose this week. I want to fulfill my purpose of praising God. I want to fulfill my purpose of being what God has called me to be. We are a chosen generation. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.